I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. House Better Entertainment Multi Hyphenist started a media company called Wolf House Media, a successful writer across streaming platforms and categories, and lectures at USC School of Cinematic Arts. I actually was a minor at USC's mm. Cinematic Arts, yes, more so just for fun. He hosts the podcast Write Who You Know, which we find is very much shares the ethos of what's the point. Yep pulling back the curtain on all the bullshit and thankless things that you have to do and deal with every day. Yeah. So thank you for coming and welcome to What's the Point. Thank you for having me, ladies. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. So as you know, we start the podcast with the same question every time. Yeah. What is your definition of success and what is your definition of fulfillment? And are they at all intertwined? Wow. Great question. My definition of success changes. I think as a writer, when I was you know, an assistant, it was like, I want to get an agent. And then I got an agent. And then it was, I want to be on the blacklist, which is like the the list of best movies that were not produced yet. And then I got on that. And then it was like, I want to get staffed on a TV show and be a real working writer. And then that happened. Like the goalpost is constantly moving, at least to me. And obviously success is not just in my career. I think being happy at home and having a healthy relationship with your wife and like oh, a fulfilling relationship with your children is incredibly important and obviously your friends. But to me, what I really want, and I know that's not the end goal, like I just want enough money that I never have to worry about money again. And I know that like everybody in the world worries about money. And even if you're Jay-Z and Beyonce, there's a part of you that's like, I still don't have enough because as you get more money, you start spending more money. So to me, success, like truly, I just want to be let me back up. When I was a kid, I wanted to be famous. Like I wanted to be like Macaulay Culkin, you know? And now I don't want to be famous. I just want to be acknowledged for being an incredible writer. I don't want people asking me to take selfies. I don't want to be a stand-up comic. I really just want to be the guy behind the scenes that if you know, I created Fairfax the same way that you know, like 
Marta Kaufman created Friends. If you saw her in an airport, you would say like, hey, Marta, my name is Matt. I just wanted to tell you like Friends is one of my favorite shows. That's it. You know, I just want other people to know, I guess, who I am if they like the stuff that I make. Is fulfillment intertwined with success? Your I don't, definitions, yeah. I mean, honestly, probably not. Like, I am fulfilled in all the things that I do, but frankly, like, you could even include like, I want to be having sex with my wife more. I want to go on more vacations. I want to spend more time with my children. Like there's so many things that I want to do in a day that I don't get to do. But when I look at my life from 30,000 feet, like, yeah, I'm fulfilled. Like I got it pretty good. I work as hard as I can and I do everything in my power to have sex with my wife as much as I can. <laughs> but, um, at the end of the day, I think I'm still just trying to figure it out. You know, like I'm still young, even though I'm 38, which is like a dinosaur compared to most people in the young gen uh, or Gen Z or even Gen Alpha, as I just learned that term, which What's is- Gen Alpha. That's the, that's the generation that comes after Gen Z. They just start again because Z is the last, you know? So they're, um, they're the kids that are in like high school right now or junior high, as it were. Long way of saying like, yes, I'm fulfilled, but also- I could always want more, you know, like even on Thanksgiving, like you want more pie after you're full, you know, I don't know. So you mentioned a lot in your career, how it was like always this chase, like you wanted something and then you got it. And then it yeah. was like, you wanted something else, like goalposts constantly yeah. moving. Do you feel like you still have this like chase? Yeah. Like the goal for me, the last five years was like, get your TV show made and put on the air. And I did it. Like I've done this thing that only 1% of writers, working writers have done, and they all want to have their own show. But I feel like I got to the top of Everest and looked around and went, this is it. Like, I think what I realized is, yes, you can create shows and you can put out albums. But if you don't create The Bear or Ted Lasso, or if you aren't The Strokes, or you aren't Phoebe Bridgers or Taylor Swift, it's like there's so much shit out there. It's impossible to make noise. And so now just having one of the 540 shows that are on TV, it's like, no, I want one of the 10 shows that get nominated for Emmys. And so- That's the new goalpost. I mean, like that's always been the joke with my manager is like, I'm going to take you to the Emmys. And she reps the creator of The Bear and he took her to the Emmys. And I was like, devastated. You know, like to me, I was like, no, like that's my thing. Like I want to do that. And um, it's not out of jealousy. It's just like, I want to be acknowledged for all the hard work that I do because- so much of it is done in solitary alone, you know, writing at a keyboard. And so I get a very big satisfaction out of being told like, that's great. You did a good job because so much of what I do as a writer is like, I get told pass or like, nope, or not good enough. Or we have notes, we have thoughts, we have you thought about this. And it drives us working writers like nuts because sometimes as we just had a strike, like you'll make shows and they will get picked up and made and then never see the light of the day. Really? Yeah, like Warner Brothers is pulling movies that were completed. Like Batgirl, they they made a whole movie about Batgirl. It was a $90 million movie. And instead of releasing it, Warner Brothers said, we're going to take this as a $90 million tax write-off and we're never going to release the movie. So can you imagine like writing a movie, producing a movie, getting to be Batgirl? Like you think like, oh my God, like I've made it. And then it's like, nope, actually we're not putting your movie out. Oh my God. And that just happened this week with Coyote versus Acme, which was going to be the new Roadrunner movie. Like Wiley Coyote suing Acme for all the damage that they've caused on him for a year. And John Cena is in it. It's like a huge movie. And Warner Brothers again was like, nope, we're going to take a $40 million tax write off and not release the movie. I don't get that. 
if you count it as a loss, you can take it as a tax write down, apparently. And this is something that Warner Brothers Discovery sort of invented in the last year. They're the first people that have started taking stuff off their streaming services. So it just, it seems like there's this need for external validation a little bit, right? Because you're so heads down, you're working on your own, you're being told no, you're like in solitude writing. And then when someone tells you you're great, and a lot of like the goal is to be like recognized and to be appreciated for all of your hard work. Is that correct of me saying that? Yeah. Like I want, I want to be acknowledged. I don't, I don't need people to be like, you're a good writer to know that I'm a good writer. Like I've worked my ass off for 15 years. Like I constantly am writing and I work harder than almost anybody I know, but so much of what we do never sees the light of day. And so it's nice to hear once in a while, like to know that I'm on the right path and that what I'm doing is not just like going into the ether. Yeah. Which we were just talking about with our podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's tough because it's like, ultimately at the end of the day, if you're putting any energy into something at some point, you're kind of like, should I be making money off this? Especially if you're spending money. Yeah. I think, I think everyone- And time is money. Yeah. That's a hundred percent right. I just think if you do anything, like obviously, and this is what I told these group of USC kids last night, like we all got into this because we love movies and TV and like we wanted to make art. But the movies that I grew up loving, like Swingers and Pulp Fiction or, you know, whatever, the Kevin Smith movies, like Mallrats and Chasing Amy, those don't even get made anymore. It's all like Marvel garbage and IP-based whatever. I wish that this was all about like who makes the best art. But the truth is I can't buy diapers or pay for a mortgage with art. I can only do that with money. And so I need to be compensated for my time and effort that goes into making that art. And I think that's what the whole dumb writer strike was Right. About. So is that, that's also a part of... I was going to say this AI thing, right? Because they're just like, let's have shortcuts. Let's have like a boilerplate of what works, right? Netflix uses their data. Yeah. And then they just use that. And and it doesn't matter if you've created some cool avant-garde art, even if it's not avant-garde. And if it's just interesting... Like they'd rather go with the cheesy. Well, it's che- that, that's the thing. It's free. Like, I don't think AI will ever be able to like write an episode of The Summer I Turned Pretty or an episode of The Sopranos. What it can do is you can say, write me an episode in the style of The Sopranos and it will generate a pretty shitty first draft. And so instead of paying a writer, the way the writers get paid is like you get paid for a first draft, you get paid for a rewrite, you get another check for a polish. It will cut that first step out completely, which is the biggest chunk of change you get. So they'll let AI write a first draft of something and then bring in a human to fix it or like make it a real human sounding script. They haven't done that yet, but like that's what they were trying to do. The direction. Yes. And so that's why we struck, which was incredibly important because it's like, mm, no, dude, like that, this is, you need humans to actually make the content that people want to watch. So does now. all of this ever deter you from the industry? Uh, Yeah. I mean, like there are moments where I say like, why did I ever leave working at Paramount? Like I was offered and promoted to be a creative executive, which is like the hugest thing you want when you're an assistant is like, I want to be an executive and get paid in a corporate card and get to like give notes on movies and stuff. But I sort of looked around when I was there in 2012, I was like, these guys don't make movies. They write checks and they're like project managers. Like I want to actually write and be on set and make movies. And with regards to AI, it's just like get out of here. Like it's interesting technology and like, yes, let's figure out a way to use it, but there needs to be guardrails in place so that I'm not replaceable in five years. Otherwise I will be out of a job. But a lot of times I go like, should I have stayed at Paramount and been an executive? Should I just have been a producer? Like, am I insane? Should I have just been a doctor? And so during the writer's strike, 
although I was lucky enough to be working because I'm in another guild of the animation guild and I was able to get work outside of the writer's guild, it makes me go like, what am I doing here? Like, and I think a lot of it is, you know, and, and the rest of the world looks at writers and actors and go like, you guys make millions of dollars. You know, staff writers get $8,000 a week to sit in a writer's room. It's like, yes, that's true. And they work for 15 weeks a year usually. And that has to last them until the show starts back up. And most of these shows nowadays only go two seasons anyway. So it's like, how much am I actually making after the government gets their cut? And then 25% goes 10 to an agent, 10 to a manager and five to your lawyer. It's like, I could make more money being a pool man. You know, so it really is a question of how badly do you want to do this? And how badly do you want to do this? I mean, I want to affect some kid the same way that I was affected when I was 16 years old and I read less than zero for the first time. Or, you know, I saw Swingers when I was 12 and I was like, holy shit, like I didn't even know you could do something like or saw Pulp Fiction. Like I want to inspire some kid to follow his creative dream, I think. And that sounds so corny. But like, that's no, the truth, true, you know? It's true. So, okay. So when I was starting my company, my first, my first company, I read this quote and I want to read it because it feels like it really can resonate about brick walls. Maybe you've already heard it, but it basically says that brick walls are there for a reason. They're not there to keep us out. They're there to show us how badly we want something. And the brick walls are there to stop the people who don't want it badly enough. How do you feel about that? Would you say that's true and exactly like kind of what you're doing? Yes, but like the brick wall of Hollywood is, I think a lot of people, a lot of writers, they're like, I can write this, I can write that, I could write The Summer I Turned Pretty, I could write, you know, The Bear, I could write Squid Games. And it's like, stop trying to do everything all at once. Just keep hammering through the wall in the same spot, and then you'll get in. And once you get in, you're there for good. You have to continue generating content and to be your own best advocate. Because even if you have an agent and a manager and a lawyer, at the end of the day, Unless you did create Friends or you did create Ted Lasso or The Bear or White Lotus, you're not an incoming call business. Nobody is calling my reps going like, man, we want Matt Hausfetter to write the next Marvel movie. Because while I got to make a show that is on Amazon, which is a huge, incredible feat to me, it wasn't culturally like groundbreaking. You know, it didn't make a lot of noise. But from, if you saw the marketing, which was only between like Fairfax and La Cienega. So I think that, yes, that applies. I think there are going to be hurdles in any field. I just think that you need to be very creative about how you get through that wall. Like there's always another door. Like everyone will tell you no, or like, I'm not going to introduce you to this person, but like you figure it out. Like you weasel your way in and out of scenarios. And I think as a kid who was a troublemaker, I've learned to talk my way in and out of great situations and horrible situations alike. And I think the gatekeeping of Hollywood is insane. I think that there's like people that would try and keep other people out just because, but I like to think that cream does rise to the top. And if you write or create something undeniable, whether it's a book or a podcast or a movie or a jewelry line, people will find it. I really do believe that. And maybe that's naive, but like, I hope that's the case. Well, you have to be super passionate and motivated to yeah. keep hearing no and to keep your head down and work yourself. A lot of it is like, you know, work solo. It's like, you know, tennis players, right? They have to have such discipline on their own because it's a solo sport. Yeah. So how do you first keep your passion and your drive when like there's a lot of like shit out there that can easily sway you one direction? Although writing is like a solitary thing, you know, except when you're in a writer's room and you're with a team of people or whatever you know, Hillary Clinton's like, it takes a village. I do have a village of friends and writers 
And people that when I get stuck or get in trouble or doubt myself, they steer me back on the right track. And even my wife, like during the writer's strike, I was like, why am I doing this? This is like so dumb and insane that like I can't write like right now and I can't get a job. And I was one of the lucky ones. But she said to me, if I had a magic wand and could like make you have any career, what would you want to do? And it was be in a writer's room. And she was like, then shut up and go back in your office and write. And so I really do rely on outside voices to help, even my therapist, you know, like I rely on a team of people to keep me sane in a world that even outside the confines of Hollywood, like you guys see, like the world is insane right now. It has been for so long and it takes a lot of medication and a real team of (laughs) You know, therapists, lawyers, managers, friends, wives, parents, a lot of it to keep all the bad stuff at bay because I am human and I do spiral, especially because I'm Jewish. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, the sky is always falling even when it isn't falling. Right. How does your wife deal with it? My wife is the exact opposite of me. She is the CFO of our family and, you know, she thrives in a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. I suck at math and numbers and logistics. I'm a big ideas guy. I'm the guy that's like, I want to make a show about X. What's the best team to put that together? Who should I reach out to produce it? Like, how do I take a vision that's in my head and bring it to life? And I think she... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. keeps me grounded and reminds me that no, the world is not falling and no, you don't have to like give in to your emotions. They're just emotions. You know, you can turn into the spin out or you can take a moment and like, instead of leaning in, you can back up and go like, what am I actually? And in truth, like compared to the rest of the world, like I have it pretty amazing. You know, like I have my own house. I'm healthy. I have a beautiful wife and daughter and a career. And so when I'm reminded of those things, I am able to breathe and go like, yeah, like they're right. Like everything's going to be fine. And I'm not an alcoholic, but I do ascribe to like, you take it day by day. You know, if I think too much about like, what am I going to be doing in five years? Like I'll lose my mind, but I think anybody would for the most part. Yeah. How do you handle comparison in your industry? Oh my God. That's a great question. I work with two other boys who I'm constantly like comparing myself to because they are a writing team. And while sometimes we write stuff together, a lot of times they just write stuff by themselves. And so it's easy for me to be like, well, they're doing X, Y, and Z. And like, I'm not doing that. Or, 
you know, my manager reps the creator of the bear. Like, wow, what it must feel like to have everybody think you are God's gift to writing and for everybody in town be fighting for your attention. Someone just said this to me, if you compare, you'll be in despair. And I remind myself that while I may not have X, Y, and Z or may not be the biggest whatever, I have done some pretty amazing things and experienced experiences that people would kill someone to spend the, a day living as Madhouse Fetter. And so I have to remind myself of that constantly that like, don't compare yourself to other people and you should only be comparing yourself to yourself. Like that's what I'm just constantly trying to do is like be better than the last thing I wrote. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I feel like we don't, at least I can speak for myself. This is obviously basic human psychology, but we don't like revel in our own greatness, but we're so quick to revel in someone else's. Yeah. And that's such an interesting thing. Like I started this to be magnetic, like manifestation thing. And one of the journal entries was like, so like, what about your year? What did you accomplish this year? And I was like, wow, I haven't given myself credit for any of the things I've accomplished this year. Yeah. And like, there's so much to be proud of big and small, right? Like whether it's like, getting your show sold to Amazon or having sex with your wife every night. Either way, like there are things that we need to be dwelling on. And something that's just been so top of mind for me is I think people who win are the people who are focused. Yeah. And it's so hard to stay focused in the world we're living in. Yeah. And so if you can focus on yourself, focus on your wins, focus on what you need to improve on and not look outside of yourself, you're like 10 steps ahead of everyone. But right now... It's funny because you actually earlier said it's really hard to make noise yeah. and it's really hard to drown out noise. Yeah. Because it's just a noise-centric life we're all living. Like there's just noise everywhere. Absolutely. I, I'm very hard on myself. Yeah. You know, I have imposter syndrome. Like when people compliment me or like some mom came up to me the other day at my daughter's preschool and was like, I love Fairfax. And I was like, really? Like I, it's like I almost don't believe it. You know, I can't accept compliments almost in a way. And I yeah. think even 12 years ago, like Instagram didn't exist, you know, like that Instagram to me is like everyone's digital PR page. It's like, you only see the good shit. You only see me in Mykonos. You only see me with a deadline announcement. You only see me with a cute picture of my kid. You're not seeing all the awful, terrible crap. And like three, four weeks ago, like I deleted Instagram off my phone. I look at it every once in a while, like on the internet when I'm sitting on my computer, but it's done wonders for my mental state. Cause I'm just like, I don't really give a shit what anyone else is doing. And the truth is like, yeah, you should be focused on what you're doing because that's what's going to get you to the next rung or the next ring or the next step on the ladder that I want to be Yeah. In. So I actually also delete my Instagram on my phone and I only go on my computer if I want to like see or anything. But I'm going to say something that's probably not popular right now. But I think that comparison can actually be good. I think envy is really the thief of joy. I don't think comparison is a thief of joy because when you're envious of someone else's life, it's like you want their life and you can't rejoice in their joy and, and whatnot. But comparison sometimes is like, it's sometimes it's a little helpful. Like maybe they're doing something that you didn't see and maybe there's inspiration from that, right? And I feel like in your industry, there is a lot of like creative inspiration and it's like approaching it from a place of like, they're not taking anything from me. There's enough from both of us, but this could be a good point. Maybe I should try to focus on that and see where it takes me. I agree with you. I mean, to an extent, I pride myself on being the dumbest guy in the room. Like when I meet people that I want to work with, or I'm in meetings, like I want to be a sponge and I don't envy anyone 
really except for the stuff that I think would make my life easier. For example, I have friends with incredibly wealthy in-laws that help them all the time and like take them on vacation to Hawaii. And like, that's the dumb superficial stuff that I'm envious of. Shockingly, when I look in the mirror every morning, I fucking love myself. I always have. Um, my brother's always been like the hot one. And I've always been the funny one that to like overcompensate for that, at least in my brain. <laughs> but I truly do think I am pretty spectacular and I am very smart and very talented. And so while I don't want to compare myself to other people, I do realize what other people have to teach me or to show me. You know, like those two boys that I created Fairfax with, they really showed me like, this is how you pitch and sell a show. And I didn't know how to do that before them. And I didn't bring them Fairfax because I was like, oh, they, they will sh teach me stuff. I brought it to them because they were my friends and I wanted to make something with them. And yes, I do compare myself to them from time to time, but I really think that they have stuff to show me and there's stuff that I show them. And so I, I do agree with you to a point. But yeah, if you sit around being envious of what your friends are doing or what you see on Instagram or what job your friends just got, you'll make yourself nuts. I yeah, because I think it's approaching it from like lack and scarcity versus abundance. It's like, you know, just recently my friend wants to start a podcast. So I could have been like, oh my God, no, like, because it's, we have a podcast. Or I could be like, let me know how it can be helpful. This is the mics that we use. Here's our sound editor and all that. And I think more people need to empower other people to create their thing. And like, we're all so unique. We're never going to produce the exact same thing. That's why people can start businesses and execute and all that. It's not going to be like anything else because it's themselves. But I think so often we, when we compare ourselves and we like envy, then we don't actually do anything about it. Yeah. We're just like in that space from like lack. Yeah. Well, I think there's a difference between comparison and inspiration, right? If you're looking at someone, you're being like, huh, that's kind of inspiring me to do something I didn't think of. I think that's maybe more. It's more of like the headspace that you're in. Like, yeah. are you in a headspace that you're going to see something and you're like, oh my God, like, I wish I had that. Like, uh, or you're in, in a headspace of abundance where you're like, wow, that's such a great idea. Like, why can't I do that? So I don't even think it's about like the comparison versus envy or whatever. It's more about like, are you an abundant person or are you in a headspace of abundance or are you in this like scarce, there's not enough for me if this person has it? Yeah. I think we're all just like screen addicted and it's hard to even remember who you really are. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, I vacillate between those two states because I'm human of like, mm -hmm. I'm amazing. Like I said, like I look in the mirror and I'm like, you're a fucking best dude. But also <laughs> uh, there is a part of me that is like, no, dude, like you suck. You know, like you had a show on Amazon and it got canceled. Like when I start to like think in that headspace, it's like, no, get out of here. What I should be doing and what I have been doing is like, so what am I going to create next? Like, what's the next one? You know, what am I going to do to keep this train moving? Um, because at the end of the day, I've realized that like, yeah, TV shows come and go. All I want to do is like provide for my family, truthfully. Like that's all it boils down to at the end of the day now is that's actually why I ended up working at Barney's New York throughout half of my career in between writing jobs because I took a vow, you know, for richer or poor and I want to like help support my family in any way I can. So now it's like, yeah, it would be nice to win an Oscar. It would be awesome to be rich as shit. But as long as I am able to support my family and keep us in a nice home and to pay for my daughter's preschool or her food or her milk or whatever, like... I think I'll be a pretty happy guy. Now, obviously, 
there's a big part of me that's like, I would never want to go back and work in retail. I don't want to go in reverse. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. But I think, you know, like Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, who was one of my musical heroes, was like, dude, I would work at fucking McDonald's if it meant that I get to keep doing Nine Inch Nails and making music and scoring movies. And that kind of stuck with me. And that just like, you just got to keep doing what you're doing. And now as opposed to accolades and money, it's like, I just want enough to be able to keep doing this. Sometimes I like to think when I'm struggling with something internally, I always say like, what would I tell my daughter, Gemma? Do you ever find that? Like if your daughter was struggling between the vacillating between like, I'm amazing or like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what would you tell her? And do you ever like approach situations of like what's going on and being like, how would I want her to feel? When I go play with my daughter, I completely like forget all about like, oh, I need to do this or that. Uh, it's just like, I'm able to be the most present version of myself. Yes. And what I would tell her and what I will tell her is like, be and do whatever you want. It makes you feel good. Like this morning, she's like, I want to wear this Elsa dress to preschool. And it's like, all right, sure. You look kind of fucking ridiculous. My wife is like, no, like you don't really need to wear it. I'm like, let her wear the fucking Elsa dress. Like her friend Maddox is wearing pajamas. Like who gives a shit? They're two yeah. and a half. Um, it's also good self-expression. Yeah. Like who cares? So I would tell her like, follow your dreams and do what you want to do. And I'll be here to support you in any way I can. And if you find that like, you don't want to do this after a certain point, like whether it's play AYSO soccer or ballet or be a writer, let's find what you do want to do. And let's focus on that. I think. Who can unlock this like gatekeeping in Hollywood? For me personally? No, in general. Um, yeah, both yourself. Like I truly like, you think it's just like a grit game? Like how long you're in the game? I think Conan O'Brien said on the last night that he was hosting the tonight show, which was famously like taken away from him out of nowhere after he was given it. If you work hard and are nice to people, amazing things will happen. And I truly believe that, you know, people will tell you like after the hangover came out, everybody wanted a hard art comedy. After the bear came out, everybody's like, what's the next bear or the next squid games or the next how I met your, you know, your mother. And the truth is, you know, people will say like, we don't really want a, a soapy teen show set in the Hamptons until the summer I turn pretty walks in the door. You know, so what I tell people is like, you know, someone last night asked me like, what if I want to do this? And like, I, you know, I'm told like, sorry, we're not doing family comedies anymore. It's like, if you chase trends, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Just like, you're going to be like a dog chasing a car. But if you are creating the trends and creating what you think is cool, you may find much more success that way. Like I bring it back to that show, The Bear. The creator of The Bear, that was a movie and he couldn't get it made and no one was giving him the time of the day. And he was given the advice of like, what if you like turn this into a TV show? And he did. And he put it on FX. He got it on FX and they wanted to potentially put it out episode by episode. And he said, no, put it all out at once so people can binge it. And it became like the biggest thing ever. And how many movies about chefs have we seen? Like awful ones, like mm -hmm. Burnt with Bradley Cooper. You know, like there are Ratatouille. There are in every different genre. Ratatouille's good. It's amazing. It's <laughs> one of the best Pixar movies of all time. But instead of trying to chase the wave, I say like make your own and let everybody else follow you. You know, I like that. Make your own. You'll drive yourself crazy. I know. Well, that is, I, I often think about that. I actually think our podcast inspires me a lot to think about that because I, we, a lot of the conversations we have are about that. But it's like, who decided that you have to do video for podcasts for, and I get it, like more people see it, but like it hasn't really proven to work for us transparently. We yeah, were I don't, growing without it. 
Like, I think it's interesting to just challenge, like, well, the norm of like said that I have to do it this way or that. And I think that is actually the beauty of, I don't know if it's streamers that did this, but like TV now is like you can play with the format. Now, not every episode needs to be the same length. Like, yeah. like there's just certain things where it's like, yeah, why can't we bend the rules? Like, who created these? fake rules yeah. about how things should be. And there is no model of like, this plan is what's going to make you successful. Like this route. Yeah. I Everyone mean, has a different route. I grew up in a time when like of Blink-182 and like punk rock and even Blink-182 is like the poppiest version of it. But the number one thing that I took from punk rock is the ethos of DIY, of do it yourself, of no one's going to hand you it. You have to take it. You know, before the internet existed, people would book tours by calling places all over the country and getting in a little shitty van and driving from place to place and telling other bands about it. And I truly ascribe to no one's going to do it for you. You need to do it yourself. And whatever it is, if you want to learn to run a marathon, like, sure, you can get a coach, but like the coach can't run the marathon for you. You've got to do it. At the end of the day, it is going to be up to you. And I know that sounds like so corny, but it's true. Like if you want something, like go take it. Like no one is going to give me a hit show. No one is going to give me a job on Abbott Elementary. I would love it if that were the case, but it's like, no, you have to create that scenario for yourself. You also have to believe that that's possible because I think a lot of the time it's the mind that's actually hindering us versus like the actual opportunities that are in front of our face. Yeah, as a writer, you need to be somewhat delusional. Truly. Like yeah. I told this to the kids last to night at USC. To do anything in life, you have to be a bit. Yeah, you yeah. have to be, to be successful. delusional to, be. to think, why would anyone care? Like, why do I deserve to have this? Why do I deserve a seat at the table? Why does I deserve to have a show on, you know, Amazon? Why do I deserve to be in a writer's room? Why do I deserve to anything? And the truth is, is because you worked hard for it. Yeah. And you were delusional enough to believe you could do it. Yeah. Like I, you know, I think about before Fairfax, I wanted to create like a parody of Supreme. Cause I was just like, this is silly. They could sell a piece of shit in a paper towel. And if it said Supreme, people would line up to yes. buy it. And in this tiny little apartment where I was living for 900 bucks a month with my girlfriend, when I was 26, 27, I created Latrine, which is like a dumb parody of Supreme. And the fact that five years later there was a latrine store on Fairfax the weekend my show came out and that my wife has latrine keychains and socks and hats and shirts. That to me is like literally all I need to look at to be like, dude, you could do anything. Like you could go to the fucking moon if you wanted to. I don't, but, and they're completely different, but it made me realize if you set your mind and heart to something and you work really hard, anything is possible. And I know that sounds so corny. No, it doesn't at all for us. I think we're both more on the spiritual mm -hmm. lens. So yeah. like, are you spiritual at all? Would you consider yourself spiritual? Yes, but in like a, like, I do believe in God. I do sort of believe in like willing things into existence. I have been reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle because Kendrick Lamar like lives by it. The answer is yes, I do. <laughs> yes, but not like as much as someone who is probably very present and very mindful. You know, like I try to be mindful and present all the time, but like my brain works so fast that I can't fully be present, you know, and really except if I'm with my child. Literally right now she's laughing. It's like the cutest thing ever. I don't know if you guys can all <laughs> yeah. hear that. The chuckles, oh, <laughs> the best. So actually having a daughter has taught me a lot about presence. So 
I'm interested to hear your take on having a daughter too, because I think, as you said, there's going to be so much going on in our days. You go upstairs to play and you see this like innocent little human who is imprinting so many things in her mind, like while you speak and you kind of just forget it all. And it's like a beautiful escape from reality. But then on the flip side, there are sometimes where I am in the middle of like a crazy work day and I'm like on my phone and I can tell I'm not being present with her. That's where I have to like check myself because it's taught me a lot about presence and the importance of presence. And then the end of the day, like that's what we look back on. It's the presence. It's not about like the accomplishment we did and all that. It doesn't, right? You're always going to the next goal post after you accomplish something. But the present time and when you're having deep conversations, meaningful relationships with people, like that's what we remember. Yeah. I mean, watching Bluey with my daughter or talking to her about what music she likes is so much more important than anything else I'm doing. And not only because like when I'm dying on my deathbed, like no one's going to give a shit what shows I created. What is going to matter is like the people's lives that I affected and the things that I imprinted on my daughter and my wife and what they imprinted on me. Um, And hopefully, you know, I left some good in the world and I don't just mean like a TV show, you know, like I would like to think I made a mark on them in a very significant way. And when I'm with my daughter, especially when it's just like me, when my wife's around, like, I truly feel like, oh, I'm like the number two. Like, you know, if this were a TV show, like she's the showrunner and I'm the co-EP number two, you know, she's the captain of the ship and I'm the first mate. And what she says is like, no dude, we're co-captains. But the truth is, is like, you know, I think mommy will always come first, but there, and I always say like being a dad is thankless, but like as a joke, there is a very special place for dad. And there is nothing else that makes me more able to like stop thinking about like, what am I going to do next? What's my next career move? Like, how am I going to get my next check than like hanging out with my daughter and being like, this is Lion King. Like, check this shit out, you know, or like going to the park with her. And so I try to do that when I can. And sure, like there are times where like I'll be playing with her and I'll be getting work emails or phone calls. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to go like do this dumb thing. But it's all a balancing act and you're only human, you know? And I'm, again, it goes back to like, I got to stop being so hard on myself. Also, it's about enjoying the journey, right? Like if we keep focusing on the accolades and the accomplishments and getting to the next place, that part's not even fulfilling. We've been there. We've gotten the stuff from the chase. Yeah. But it's the journey that's the fulfilling part. And so often we miss out on that journey because we're so focused on the next goalpost. Absolutely. I mean, even when I was a kid, while I'd be sitting in school playing at recess, all I'd be thinking about is like, am I going to sleep over at John Seaton's house tonight? Like, it's like, that would be so much fun to have a sleepover tonight. Instead of being like, wow, we're fucking recess. Like, how great is this? Like recess, we can do whatever we want for the next 30 minutes. I'm already, my mom, if she were sitting here, she'd be like, yeah, you're always constantly thinking about the next three things that are going to happen. Even when I'm if I have to get up to pee in the middle of the night, my brain goes like, okay, like, what are we doing tomorrow? Like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast in the morning. I got lunch at Sony. I got this, that, and the other. Like, I can never just really, and so that is why it's been so important for me to try and do things like use the Calm app, which like I suck at, or the Headspace, or read the Power of Now, or be with my daughter because life is fucking hard. And I have it so easy, you know, compared to the rest of the world. Like, I have it pretty good. And I just got to remember that. Yeah. I think we all have to remember that. And I think unfortunately, sometimes it takes quote unquote bad things to happen in the world for you to come back to yourself and be like, wow, like I'm so grateful for all the things that I have. Yeah. I think it's also just the human condition to be like, 
the mind, it's a, it's your monkey mind. The right? grass is Everyone always greener. It. Yeah. You know, like when you're single, you're like, I want a boyfriend. When you're married, you're like, oh, wouldn't it be great? Like I never got to use dating apps. Like OkCupid was the only thing that was around. Tinder was like invented like a year after my wife and I were like already boyfriend and girlfriend for a year. And I part, don't think you're missing out. I know. But in my dumb boy brain, I'm going, I have an incredible gift of gab. I'm so good at texting and like being funny and witty and shit. Like it would be like shooting fish in a barrel. Ugh, isn't it so annoying? Like my boyfriend's British and really witty and I would say I'm pretty witty. And like, it just like inevitably you're, te- I would say for being a year and some change in, it's still pretty there, but like, it's inevitable. The wit just goes away. Like when you're texting this, like, how do you revive that with your wife? You know, you just got to that I think is actually a greater and bigger challenge is to just be like, how am I going to flirt with my wife today on text? Change the conversation from the things that we both have to do, like (laughs) pick up the kids and this and that, right? Yes. Because that's the best. Yeah, I know. I mean, I I constantly am trying to make my wife laugh and be silly. And even when we're like fighting, we never really fought until we had kids. And it's about dumb shit. Like you said you were going to warm the bottle. You're like, (laughs) you know, like who would have ever thought, like I never fought with her until it was like, oh, it's your turn to change a diaper. Like you're waking up today. And, uh, I still, you know, I tell her all the time, like, you're so fucking hot. Like it is like of all the women at this wedding, like you're still the one that that. I would want to smash. I love that. And it sounds like crazy a little bit, but it's like true. Like I do think she is, and it's not even like that she's physically hot. Like she's a fucking genius, like truly logistics wise and finance wise. Like I think she is brilliant and does stuff that I could never, ever, ever, ever do. And I think that's why we work so well because she is yin and I am yang. And like, when we do get in a fight, like, you know, she'll, you know, like stewing it and think about it. And like five minutes later, I'll be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, are we still, are we still mad about like the dumb, like who gives a shit? You know, like, let's go watch fucking below deck. Like who cares? (laughs) And she has a much harder time, like getting out of the, like, well, like, yeah, but we were just like confrontational with each other. And like, who's going to figure out like how we pay for the roof to be fixed. And I'm like, who cares? Like, let's go have fun. And you know, I love that. That's a good reminder. Yeah. Having fun is really what this is all about. Yes. This being life. I mean, not to distill it, but like, yeah, man, you're only here for a little while. Like, Mm -hmm. fucking enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's like, I I think about that almost every day where I'm like, come on. Like, also, I feel like being in your 30s brings that up. Like, I'm like, wow, I'm 32. Like, I've lived some life. Like, just enjoy it. I'm going to tell you guys another secret. The older I get, like, the better I am. I know a lot of people are like, oh, no, going to be 40, going to be over the hill. And I'm like, great. You know why I want to be 40? Because I'm going to be sure of myself and know who I am and hopefully have some more money in the bank and will have had some success. And I might even have another kid by that point. Like, I'm not afraid of getting old because I still feel like I'm 17. Like, I'm still wearing a fucking No Doubt t-shirt that I had in eighth grade. Nothing has changed but my bank account and, like, the family that I have. And sure, like, I've emotionally matured and I've learned not to do the dumb things that I did when I was a teenager, but there is still a 12-year-old boy who just wants to make something that other people love as much as the shit that I loved when I was 12. And so I think that's what I'm constantly trying to chase. And I think my friend group and my wife and my brother, like those are the things that like make me, me, not the movies I've written or the shows that I've had produced or who, who's my agent or like any of that garbage. It's important to nurture the little kid inside of you because that's the non-clouded voice, right? Cause they know exactly what they want. They knew what excited them then. And now we have like so many things pulling us into different directions. We don't even know if it's for our own personal fulfillment 
or it's like we're subscribing to society's norms. Yeah. Yes. 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 So Matt, yeah. what's the point? The point to me, oh man, what is the point? I think the point of all of this really is to, I mean, when I was younger, I would have said like, it's to leave your mark on this planet before you die. Like, that's why I really, like, I wanted to have a credit on a movie as a PA so that like forever, even if I was dead, like I would have something that was like, bang, Matt Housefeder. And now I really just think the point of all of this is to like, to raise a happy child. Like I had such a good childhood and such you know, there were moments that like sucked, like everybody's that I would like to like do over. But I really think the point now is to be a good father and to be a good husband and to be a good friend and to be a teacher and to pay it forward because I've had a pretty incredible ride, but for a few moments here and there. And I should share what I have learned along the way and pay it forward, I think. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's Thank you so much, Matt. Thank You're you. Welcome. That was Thank great. Thank you for having me. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.